Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Minister Fullers? How do you like that? What the fuckstables? What the fuck, Ricans? What the fuck, Amalans? What the fuck, Navians? What the fuck, Canadians? See, did you notice there was a difference there between the Canadians, like Canada, and uh, Navians, like Scandinavians? Okay, enough. Enough. How are you? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Uh, Christmas is coming up. I will deal with that. Before I get into the uh, the bulk of whatever it is we're doing here, can I just say that Russell Peters is on the show today? Now, if you don't know Russell Peters, you're probably American because everyone else in the world knows who Russell Peters is. He's one of the biggest international comedy stars in the world. When I first started hearing about Russell, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never seen him. I don't I don't know. What does he do? I, he sells more tickets than anyone. I'm like, what, wh- who is he? Well, you're going to learn who he is. He'll be here in just a second. I would like to say that I will be in, uh, let's do some plugging. Let's plug it. Plug me. Plug Marin. Why are you getting meta, Marin? Why are you saying it like that, Marin? I am going to be in Boston, January 27th for the Magners Comedy Fest. I'm going to be doing a stand-up show at 7 and a live WTF uh, at 10. Those tickets are available at the Wilbur Theater, which is uh, wilburtheater.com, on the live WTF so far. Now, this is subject to change, but uh, my idea was to go with people that I used to see when I was starting out in Boston, because that really is where I started for most practical purposes. So I wanted to deal with some of the dudes that uh, I used to open for when I first started doing comedy. So I've got Kenny Rogerson, who I'm fucking thrilled about. Uh, Tony V has said he'll do it. Mike Donovan, uh, fucking, I am thrilled. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm so excited to see these guys. These guys were the guys, man, when I was starting out and I would go on the road and open for them. Uh, Jimmy Tingle just said he would do it. Um, who else is on board? I think that's it for now, but I, I couldn't, I, I'm, I'm excited. And I hope you come out to that January 27th in Boston at the Wilbur Theater. Stand up at 7, live WTF at 10. And before that, January 13th and 14th, I'm going to be in Utah. Wise Guys in Utah. That's uh, wiseguyscomedy.com. Come out. It's the Trolley Square Utah Club. I haven't played at that one. I played at the other one. Very excited. I'm always excited to to sort of fly into the only functioning theocracy uh, in this nation of ours and do some comedy uh, for the people that need to need some relief from living in the only functioning theocracy in our country. So that's uh, that's happening. Those are happening. I, I, I thought you should know about that. There's a lot of things going on. Big week. Big week. Thank you for all the emails about the cast iron. I appreciate your support, your suggestions, uh, your, your, your sharing of your obsession with me around the cast iron. I've decided that my pans are maybe not as bad as I thought, that perhaps the obsession was really based on wanting to get down to the the metal of it. So I'm doing that with my smallest cast iron. I've chosen not to go the electrolysis route because that required uh, chemicals, liquid, a, a large battery charger, wires. Uh, it seemed like I could die. And I don't know that that's a way I want to die. Though I almost died 
excuse me, last night, I think. It was ice cream related. Perhaps I'll get to that. So I'm stripping down a cast iron, but I really appreciate all the uh, the support in my obsession. So that's happening. I appreciate all the Christmas cards. I appreciate all the presents. I appreciate everything you're doing. I'm not doing the Christmas thing that much. I'm flying to my mother's on the 25th, and then I'm going down to the Keys for a week. See, that way I can see the mom, bring the girl to a you know nice place, going to go to some of the Keys, got some plans. Hopefully it'll be nice. I've never made that drive across that water to the to the Keys. I know the Key West can be a little a little trying, but I'm excited to go down there. That's my big Christmas plan. I'll be down there for New Year's. I'm not going to work on New Year's. Couple of breakthroughs. Couple of breakthroughs, you guys. I don't know what's going on there. Yesterday there was some sort of chainsaw event down the hill. Uh, people taking down a large tree and chunk, you know, chopping it, just sawing it into chunks down there. Today, there's some sort of xylophone event. So I've got power tools and xylophones. There's some sort of weird xylophone polka party going down at the bottom of the hill. I woke up to that. I woke up to the uh, to the xylophone polka party. What are the? What you're asking. You're thinking. What are the? What are these breakthroughs? I haven't heard any breakthroughs. Well, there's a, here's a little word of warning. I went to. Um, if you're dating a Jew. I'm a Jew. My uh, my girlfriend Jessica is not a Jew. If you are dating a Jew and you're new to Jew dating, you're new to, to taking on the Jew as a uh, significant other. I will I will put out this warning because uh, today was the first day this happened, and and we've been together, you know, on and off really mostly on for you know a year. Uh, you're going to have to deal with draw with uh, you're going to have to deal with smoked fish. Smoked fish is going to happen at some point in the relationship with a Jew there will be smoked fish involved. Uh, I went to Whole Foods. I bought some smoked black cod, which back in the day before I was born, back part of the tradition was smoked sable. That was a very high-end Jew fish that you could buy at the Jew fish dealer or the delicatessen. Uh, they call it smoked black cod. I know it as sable from my grandmother. So I brought that into the house, and my girlfriend's vegetarian, so I had to deal with the unwrapping of the smoked fish and her sitting there with a face uh, that could only mean like that is fucking horrendous. Why? Why is that in here? The entire, you know, right when you touch smoked fish, it seems to there must be some thin film or oil that just covers your body immediately, and then slowly starts to cover the entire house. It happens within seconds. You open some locks, some sable, some white fish, and everything in the house will smell like smoked fish almost immediately. So she was trying to fight it, taking over her. She was being consumed by smoked fish smell. And as a caring Jew boyfriend, I uh, I moved my plate outdoors and ate my smoked fish outside alone in exile. Not unusual. The Jews have been exiled before, but not so intimately and, and not so non-aggressively. It was more of a suggestion, a passive-aggressive suggestion that I take my Jewish smoked fish outside and enjoy my religion by myself on my deck, which I did. Havanagila. All right. Let's not go crazy. Let's not go fucking crazy. What else happened? I am writing a book, and it's coming along. I'm, I'm chipping away at it. I had no idea just how important uh, you know masturbation is in the writing process. I, I have a whole new respect for the greats, because there's nothing you can do. When you're staring at a blank page, or you're staring at a, the, a sentence and it's waiting for another sentence, you're staring at an unfinished paragraph, you're staring at four words that, that need more, sometimes all you can do is just jerk off. 
You got to break through that wall. Sometimes that's necessary. As I've always felt that masturbation is a built-in stress relief device that you use, uh, you know, either prudently or not, depending on how compulsive you are. I think it's important. Uh, but I had no idea what an important uh, and significant part of my writing process it is. And also, I'd like to share with you that it's been many years, my friends, since I've been caught masturbating. I don't know if you know that feeling or whether it's happened to you recently. But, uh, yeah, certainly, it's, it's just been a long time since I've been busted uh, with that going on. And it happened, and, you know, I, it, 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 I don't know. Well, she'll probably hear it now. You know, I have a, a woman who uh, works for me, Sam Varela, who, uh, who does some uh, assisting work for me now. She's a, a comedy fiend, a comedy nerd, and a, a, a comedy, uh, she's starting to book some shows. But she's, uh, you know, she's doing some assistant work for me. And I was in my garage writing my book, doing the big work, and I decided to take a little uh, break and uh, you know focus in on myself, a little autoerotic take five. And I had forgotten completely that she was coming over, and uh, there I was in my garage, you know, relieving the stress that builds up from the creative process. And sure enough, there was a knock on the door with no time in between that and the door opening. And it didn't quite open. It was Sam. And I said, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. That can only mean one thing. Yeah, either I'm in the middle of killing somebody in here or I'm in the middle of masturbating. There was no way to hide it. Uh, I was embarrassed. Uh, I said, I'll be out in a second. I'll be out in a second. Just give me a second. What could that have meant? There's no hiding it. So I'm, I'm copping to it here and now. There's no hiding it. I didn't know how to address it with her. She went in the house. She started doing other stuff, packing up some posters, some T-shirts. I, I came back in after everything settled um, and uh, you know, made some small talk. And I, I kind of brushed it off. This is what I did. Because I, you know, I'm not ashamed of masturbating, but you know, no one wants to get caught masturbating. You know, you just don't. So I kind of just smoothed it. Yeah, I just was sort of like... Yeah, we do. Okay, how many T-shirts we got? Do you want me to sign those postcards? Should I do it? You know, yeah. I just, uh, I was, uh, you know, I just had a. I'm sorry, it felt weird out there. I was just, you know, I just I had to watch some uh, dirty movies for a minute because I'm writing, and you know, and then, and then just moved on. <laughs> you know, like like maybe I'll just sneak that buyer. But uh, so that was good. That was invigorating. Being uh, caught masturbating. That happened. Conan O'Brien. I'll be on the Conan O'Brien show on Wednesday. I hope I can find some funny things to say. You guys probably already know some of it, but that's okay. Look, you know, I've been with Jess for a while, and we had a fight the other night, and it was very specifically about nothing. And after the fight, I realized, you know what that fight was about? It was about we should be fucking instead of fighting. That I mean, that was all it was about. It's weird and I'm starting because, you know, there's all these old jokes about people that you get comfortable in your relationship. You're married. You don't have sex anymore. You don't do it's there's a, a moment where the familiarity. All right. And a lot of you know when it happens where you just don't give a shit anymore uh, about, uh, you know, your behavior because you're so comfortable with the other person. Perhaps you're, you know, farting on each other at night or 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 not. You know, there's just there. There is an intimacy beyond sexual intimacy that is more of uh, I don't know. It's almost you're just. You're so close that that sex is something you have to rejigger your attention to. And, and also, you shouldn't be masturbating in your garage. All right. If you're if you're doing a lot of that, like I said, mine was writing related. But there was a moment where we had this fight 
all we should have been doing was having sex. And I knew that. But there was this weird thing going on where once you get so comfortable with somebody, you've got to switch the lens in your head. You got to put the sex lens on. And you got to take that intimacy when you're so familiar with people and you're so comfortable with them and you're farting in front of each other and, and bathroom doors are left open and, uh, you, you know, you know, all their tics and habits and, and everything else. Sometimes, you know, sex is almost it's like a different zone. It's a different type of intimacy. And you feel since you feel so revealed anyways and so vulnerable and like everything is out in the open, it, it somehow demystifies sex. But the truth of the matter is is that that's when sex gets really deep. It gets really deep because it's so connected to that intimacy. And I think on some level, that's the scary kind of sex, is when you're so familiar with each other, it really has to be pure. The connection has to be pure. You can't just fake your way through it and have that sort of like relief sex where you're using the other person to just masturbate with. You have to you know, connect in a way that will honor the intimacy that you share when you're farting in front of each other. It's tricky. But once you get through that, once you break that, well, because she wanted me to start it. You know, I wanted her to start it. It was that simple. Like she's like, why don't you desire me? Why don't you want to just, you know, devour me? And I'm like, I do. It's just like, you know, right now I'm just kind of laying here and, uh, you know, I kind of want you to, you know, you know, you know, start up the engine. Could you start up the engine? She's like, no, I'm not. I, why do I always have to? I'm like, oh, you know, well, fuck it then. Let's just fucking not deal with it. And literally from there, it started, to, you know, it, it escalated into me, you know, grabbing a comforter and heading to the couch. It got there in about 18 minutes. And I go out to their couch and I got my comforter. I'm like, why are we not just having sex? This is so stupid. Why am I being a baby? I should just, you know, go in there and take her. I should go in there and take her. So I did that. I did that after I was a baby. So, you know, there again, there's that vulnerability. There's that weird comfort zone. I, I stormed off like Linus with his blanket and and just came back like a warrior. I had to wear the, you know, the blanket in a different way and take my thumb out of my mouth and sort of use it as a cape and then take off the cape and then take my woman. Quick note before we get into the interview, it was recorded before the passing of Patrice O'Neill, and uh, Russell mentions uh, Patrice here, so I didn't want it to seem awkward. Okay. These are those mics you get right on top of them. Oh, the right, uh, the directional? Aren't yeah, they? you know, you know, the good ones. You These know. are, I got good mics. I don't have a Rolls Royce, but I have good mics. Let me tell you something. When you got good mics, you don't need a Rolls Royce. Oh, well, I, 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 I think you might be right. I don't think a Rolls Royce has ever been in my driveway. Ever, I, I did that for you. You did. Yeah. I what, re- what's uh, what's the kick around car? Uh, the that would be the Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Panamera. It's a four door. Yeah. Okay. All it's right. It's not the douchebag Porsche. Okay. All right. It's the uh, it's the family Porsche. Yeah. It's the car. Yeah. I get it. All right. No, it's a beautiful car you came up with. I felt bad. I, I did it scrape on the. No, I don't think it. It's a really high. It's actually bigger than it looks. Yeah. It's a much larger vehicle than. Now, I didn't know that, uh, I guess you can still get Rolls Royces. You can. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen anybody driving one. No, it's fun, because you get a lot of stairs with it. Well, isn't that what it's for? Yeah, that's what, I had <laughs> I had a Bentley convertible before that. Yeah. And then uh, I, I was watching those housewife shows. Yeah. And every fucking um, housewife in America, one of the all these little hookers that don't yeah. do anything. Yeah. 
they all had the same car, and I was like getting emasculated by these broads. Oh, really? So, so I was you, like, I'm I'm trading this thing in. You got mad at the housewives for having the same car as you. Yeah. And you decided you got to go for the rolls. Well, no. Then I was looking at other cars. I was like, yeah. I want another convertible. Yeah. And then um, I was looking at the Ferrari, and I was like a little douchey. Yeah. And then I looked at the Aston Martin, and it was a little too tight. Oh, too tight. A little too tight. What does that mean? I did get into. Yeah, I have big balls, was it, and it was, you know. Uh, was, yeah, sure. It wasn't a practical car. It was very impractical, <laughs> and that's when I saw the rolls. <laughs> like, that looks like a practical car. Probably got good fuel mileage. Oh, yeah. It's like 10.9 <laughs> miles to the gallon. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that's, I mean, these are the tough problems of being the most uh, successful stand-up in the world. Uh, are you still that? I, I, I Possibly. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know how, how do, how do we really uh, gauge success? Well, I mean, money is one way and, uh, and popularity, those two things, I think, uh, you can gauge it on those levels, but I mean, I don't know what's in your heart. I mean, if you feel like you're a failure and you're driving that car, I'd go tell you to fuck yourself. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel my comedy is not up to par with my status is how I feel. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, it's an interesting thing because, you know, I've heard a lot about you. I remember when you first started getting huge. Uh, Russell Peters is in the garage, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm not. Uh, I remember when he first started getting huge, and people started saying like he's like the biggest comic on the planet. I'm like, how the fuck have I not heard of him? I started in Canada in '89, right? Mean, yeah. So, so that was why. I mean, I, it, you yeah. know, I'm a pretty regional guy. And how did you start though? Was it doing straight stand up or? Yeah, no, I was just doing stand up. It was right after the boom. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's when I kind of. Well, I mean, I started in. Yeah, I mean, I started getting paid in '88, so we're probably around the same amount of time. Yeah, yeah. So how old are you? Uh, Forty-one this year. Really? Yeah. Well, you, then how how that pan out? So, how old were you when you really started? Well, I was. I had just turned nineteen. Okay. So I was basically eighteen, but I had just turned nineteen. And, yeah. And you know, I, I was fucking green. I didn't know anybody in the business. I didn't have. I didn't have a single friend in it. And uh, my but you dad, were getting paid when you were 19? No, I didn't get, I mean, I was, you know, if you want to call it getting paid, you'd go do a one-nighter for 20 bucks or something, you right. know what I mean? Oh, so you were start, you, so you were 19 in like 89, yeah. 88, okay. Yeah. And you just started doing open mics there? I started doing open mics and uh, completely floundering through it, you know, there was, I hate when I hear guys go, yeah, the first time I did it, then the manager came back and asked me to come back next week. I'm like, mm -hmm. shut the fuck up, yeah. that's not how comedy works. Yeah. I don't, everyone say I've heard people say it, and I'm like, "Where does that happen? That never doesn't happened. happen. Never happened to me. It I was paralyzed with fear. Yeah, I, I remember you uh, had the four fight. jokes. Yeah, my first five minutes, I had two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> here's five minutes. That's cool. I'll only take two. If that's all right with you. Do you remember what it was? It was. It wasn't even worth remembering. Really? It was just horrible. Yeah. I think I got a giggle. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, "Okay, that's cool." What was the angle, though? Family stuff? Not even. It was, you know, just it was abstract. Just, it was, it was a, "Hey, how you guys doing?" Don't you? Yeah, I just motored through it. Uh -huh. you know, I wasn't waiting for. Yeah, you. yeah. Well, it's interesting because you're sort of disarming. You know, I mean, I've been watching your stuff, and and I, I know that you have this huge international appeal. And uh, how did you get so fucking huge? That would be the internet. But like, someone told me you were really one of the first ones to to really focus. On self promotion, I, I to be honest with you, I never and I still don't really focus on it. I, the whole initial thing, I mean, you got to figure. I did a special in '03 in Canada, right? And that's the one that got put on the internet somewhere around mid '04, right? And I, I was not the person who did it. I was still completely computer illiterate at that point. It was an hour. It was yeah, it was an hour for for CBC for CTV, I think. It uh huh. Was. And um. It's, it got put on the internet, I don't know by who, 
and it got passed around and just spread like wildfire. And Everywhere. I, and I, I couldn't figure out why people were calling all of a sudden. Really? Yeah, because at that time, I'd, in 04, I'd been doing stand-up 15 years. And I was like, well, what the fuck? All of a sudden, people in the States are paying attention? So you were just a Canadian road act? Or you yeah. did, you, but in Canada, it's interesting. It seems that, you know, when you're a comic and you're within the industry, that eventually you end up on a TV show or you have a radio show or did you have things? I had nothing. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I really did have nothing. And when I shot that special in 03, <clears throat> I was as broke as you could possibly but be. But were you like a Yuck Yucks act? I, I was mean, a Yuck Yucks guy. So you were just one of these guys that did all the Yuck Yucks all over Canada, had yeah. not played the States. Nope. I'd, I'd played like, you know, when I would come to New York and like in the mid 90s, I would sleep on Patrice O'Neill and Keith Robinson's couch in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, and I would go do spots with them around town. Right. Like we'd go do Boston. We'd go do the cellar. We'd go do the strip. But you were nobody. I was nobody. And I would be struggling to get on those spots. And I would also be struggling to do well in those spots. That's unbelievable. And then this was special. But let's go back to the past, though, because I watch your shit and I notice something. I don't know if I'm right, but it seems where did you structure your jokes, your jokes, you talk about family, you talk about race, but you talk uh, in a long form like uh, some of the older black comics. I mean, who were your influences? Uh, initially, it was Carlin. Yeah, it was uh, Carlin Rickles, uh, Cheech and Chong, Steve Martin. Those are like the same ones I had. Yeah, and, I and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I, I chose. I always chose Eddie and Carlin over Pryor, which right. drives people nuts. But I mean, if he didn't, if I, if it didn't click with me, it didn't click with me. You know? But you do long form. I yeah, mean, that's not... the thing. I, my style is more akin to Pryor. Yeah. But uh, funny enough, it didn't, it didn't ring, ring with me. But how did you grow up? Because you're, you're brown, as you say. That is correct. And you, you draw a lot of attention to that. I'd say you've built a, a lot of your career on being brown. I, I've built my whole life about, about <laughs> that. I, you know what it was growing up? It was, uh, it was always brought to my attention. Yeah. I was just a kid trying to, you know, blend in, and uh, it was in Canada. There was a lot of racism towards Indian people, and uh, so it, it was brought to your attention very right. early that this is where you, what you are, and you shall not try and hang out with this people or these people. Really, and uh, just you should, in social situations. Yeah, you should probably be quiet and shut the fuck up in that corner over there. But it's interesting. You don't you don't talk with the Indian accent of any kind. Well, no, I was I was born and raised in Canada. Are your parents first generation? They are. They they moved to they moved to Canada in 65. I love that. So they talk like that. Yeah, and, and not even that hardcore, but no. you know, we got to play it up for the <laughs> It's all about Hey, comedy's about the exaggeration. <laughs> of course. And what kind of uh, business what your was your what kind of family you come from? Very very working class. My dad was a meat inspector. Really? Yeah, he worked in a chicken plant. <laughs> Oh my god! So you know he, he he just fucking. Did you ever go to work with him? Uh, no, he 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 has to wear he had to wear whites and rubber boots and a hard hat and horrendous. And he would come out stinking every oh, day. It's horrendous. And my mom worked in the cafeteria at Kmart. No, remember those cafeterias they used sure. to have in the back with the yeah. Salisbury steak? And yeah. And now a great day for us would be when there was Salisbury steak left over. And my mom would bring it home. No. Yeah. Are you was, serious? Or hot dogs? I'm like, yes. Special night. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. So there was nothing. There wasn't ever like the. Uh, and, you know, everyone always asks me, what about being a doctor or a lawyer? I'm like, there's none in my family. What the fuck would I become? But one? you never got that first generation push of like expectation? Because no. no. I've talked to like, you know, when I talk to people, I've talked to other people that come from first generation parents of different cultures. And there always seemed to be that kind of like you have to be better than everybody else because we're who we are. Uh, we were always kind of like an outsider kind of my family's Anglo-Indian. Yeah. So they're kind of their first language, even in India, was English. 
What does that mean in terms of the like Anglo in the sense that they yeah, were part British? All right, so you're part of the caste thing? Not even. We were part of a the casting's the, different. The aristocracy or what? How's it work? It was all part of when the British were there colonizing us. Right. They were encouraged to. Um, um, the British soldiers were encouraged to uh, hook up with Indian women, or and or, or marry them or whatever. Um, because it was too dangerous and too expensive for them to try and bring their families over to India from England. Oh, so they tell the single British soldiers? They were like, listen, why don't you just get one of these local ones and really? call it a day because your family, you're, the broad you're trying to bring back from England on that boat right here could possibly die yeah. and it's too expensive for us to do it. So yeah. they were encouraged to go local, really? shop local. <laughs> yeah. So we're a product of of a of that mix and then that that mix became so uh, so you have a british soldier somewhere in your lineage yeah interesting yeah. and then that mix kept marrying the same mix oh okay because the indians rejected us right because they were like well you don't even have our last name anymore you and you're very fair skinned so you get that you get that. i i actually look very indian yeah like especially out of my entire family very indian looking yeah well, that so, works for you. It works really well for me now. <laughs> Growing up, not so much, but now, ha, 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 I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's sort of wild to me because I'm watching and it's like you sort of have, there's some sort of license you have to be you know, racially charged and, and, and at times you know, fairly inappropriate, I would say. I try to. Yeah. Uh, but because you get some sort of weird past because you look Indian, you don't talk like an Indian, but you can sort of, it seems that you can address almost any ethnicity with a certain amount of, of I don't know if it's compassion, but visible empathy just because of who you are. Well, I, th I think it's because I speak to them on a real level. Yeah. And I uh, take details about other people's culture rather than the broad strokes. Right. And once you go into detail on things, people pay more attention. They, 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 I think details all separate good from great. Yeah. But it's interesting. I think as a Canadian, you, I, like the one thing I don't see, at least in, in the stuff that I watch, is you never – there here it's always like white people do this, black people do this, white people. The baseline is always white people. Yeah. yeah and you don't come from that at all. No. Like the, the baseline is uh, is Indian, but you speak like – uh, you know, without an accent, and then you can address Chinese people and gay Indians or whatever you're going to do. But but culturally, the the landscape is different in Canada. Like it doesn't seem like it, you seem like a completely international act. I don't know how you do in the states or who comes to see you in the states. But I know you sold out Staples Center, right? Uh, Nokia, Nokia Center. Yeah. So I mean, what's your audience primarily here? Uh, it's pretty broad now. It's very mixed now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's picking up. The the the, the, the crazy thing for me is I just thought. All right, I'll come here. It'll be the usual Asians and Indians that come out to see me, and then, <clears throat> and then Asians and Indians were coming out to see me. But then I started noticing more white people coming. Then I started noticing more Latinos coming, and now I'm noticing more black people coming. And I'm like, well, all right, this is crossing over the exact same way it's crossed over everywhere else that, right. I, that I've been. So it kind of trips me out because every time I think I've reached the ceiling, I uh, end up discovering that there's new people. Well, that's wild because it's like it's it's probably more multi-ethnic than than any white or black performer. I mean, I just I think it's sort of fascinating somehow or another that because you're kind of this lightning rod for every ethnicity. I mean, it, how does that fucking work? I think I'm the voice of the invisible minority. Interesting. I mean, you, you, the people I'm talking to or about, um, whether it be Arabs or Asians or Indians or Latinos or you know, Italians, whatever. Yeah. Whoever I'm talking about, I'm speaking to them in a, some sort of, I guess, uh, 
sonically they're hearing something that they're not hearing from somebody else. Well, that you're you're not you're speaking as somebody who is a, like second or third generation, but lives with the heritage of whatever they come from. Right, and then I, now I break down things. I break it all culturally, you know. So, um, you know, I when I talk about Italians, Italian Americans, yeah, versus Italians in Canada where I grew up. The Italians in Canada are all first generation. All right. So, you know, the, my friends that are Italian speak Italian to their parents. Right. But then they talk like a Guido to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when I see Italian-Americans, they're all these, you know, gung-ho, big, hey, fucking Italian, yeah, bro. Yeah. And then you're like, you speak Italian? No, I don't speak Italian. Well, then how the fuck are you Italian? Right. Just because you have an Italian name and you, you work out and you eat pasta doesn't mean you're Italian anymore. Well, it doesn't mean you're that close to the source. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you know, you're a satellite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a few generations off. Yeah. But how does, uh, where, now, like, because I get this sense of you that you, like, like you can perform anywhere in the world. Do you speak different languages? I don't. I actually only speak English. Well, where do you go usually? Uh, the only place I haven't been to is South America. Were you, you afraid? No, they just don't speak English. Until <laughs> <laughs> they get Rosetta Stone or Rosetta, Rosetta Piedra. Yeah, um, it's not going to happen. Yeah, maybe Guyana. Maybe I'll go to Guyana because yeah, they, they speak English there. What, how, how come you haven't gone there? That's just, uh, uh, Guyana's a little dangerous. That's why I haven't gone. Oh yeah, you don't want to get into any uh, conflicts. Have you ever? Well, been not even there. They're they're just they're, you know the the things I hear are like, well, if you're wearing gold, they'll cut your hand off for your gold or whatever. So you've thing. actually tried to book a, a night. Well, no, there people and... keep trying to get me to go there, and I'm like, not till I get military uh, escort. <laughs> are you at that level yet where you can get military escort? Sometimes, really, in certain places it freaks me out when it happens. Like where? Um, I don't know, like in, in uh, Dubai or something or in the Middle yeah. East, I yeah. get, they give me armed guys to go around with me. Really? Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So have you gone to Russia? I've not gone to Russia. So that's another place. Yeah. I, I go continental rather than, than country wise. Right. It's easier I, that way. How about China? China, yes. China, Shanghai, Beijing, Hong Kong. Do you perform for Chinese audiences? Yep. Really? Yep. The whole world speaks English. Really? That, that's the funny thing is the, the world is smarter than we are. Yeah. Because in America, we think that everybody else is stupid. Yeah. And we're like, actually, no. <laughs> they they speak I. their shit <laughs> and ours. And then not only that, they speak ours better than we speak it. Now, when you do your stuff about Chinese people in China, I mean, does it does it translate? Because it's more family-oriented. I mean, you're not doing completely... You, you, it seems that the the Asians that would speak English that come from the old school or their parents from the old school must get your stuff. Yeah, it's there's a whole new world out there, especially with the internet generation. There's it's an equal playing field, you know. Every, yeah. There's there's like a common a commonality around the world and that's okay, America is like the middle ground and anything above or beyond that or below that is is funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so here's here's neutral and then anything else Go for it, you know? Right. But you're telling me that for the first 15 years of your, your career, you were just an, another fucking, you know, lazy-ass fucking comic. You bet your ass. I was learning how... I, w I was cooking... You, you ever done that on the road? You uh, <laughs> you make mac and cheese. This is before they had microwave mac and cheese. Sure. You would make it in the coffee percolator? <laughs> yeah. I've done that. <laughs> you fucking heat up chili in the coffee percolator? But you weren't like this... You would turn a coffee percolator into a freaking stove. <laughs> Yeah, if the condo didn't have what you needed. Yeah, yeah. Or it was just a hotel room. Yeah, it was always like these shitty, shitty hotels. Yeah, ramen noodles. Yeah, you would figure it out, how to eat out of a, uh, a vending machine. That's so weird, because like, I, I had you all wrong. I thought, like, you're one of these guys that had a business mind that focused on the no, fucking business. Never, never. I, I, so I, your success completely came out of fucking it, left it field. It completely blew me away. In terms of the, the global nature of it? A absolutely. And here's the thing, Mark. Had I not made it to this level... 
I would still be just as happy being on the road, being a comic. Yeah. Yeah, regardless. Because I wouldn't have known this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But you were pretty, but you were doing well in Canada, do you mean? Not, not, I mean, you know, on a good year, maybe I made 60 grand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't just play Canada. That was the thing because I would leave Canada and I would go to England. And then from England, you'd be doing gigs and they would be like, hey, do you want to go to, uh, do you want to go to Amsterdam this weekend? You're like, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. How much is it? 150 pounds. I'm like, yeah. fuck, I'll take it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm here. What am I going to say? No. Yeah. That's uh, like the, some Americans are doing that more, but that was more common in Canada and more common with the Europe. So you did yeah. the whole European thing. I, I started going to England in 94, 95. Did you have a following there? No. <laughs> no, I just used to go. I just, I'm having a hard time accepting the fact that you just popped because of this weird viral. It was completely this weird viral thing. So who manufactured, so you worked with, I know you work with, uh, with, uh, Wills over at, uh, at, uh, what are they now? Uh, Live Nation. Yeah. Cause, uh, I remember he always was talking about you and like when he was the guy that first told me about you, he was like, you know, he's bigger than anything. And I'm like, how, how do I not know who he is? Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. And even, you know what? I feel guilty sometimes when I'm around guys like you or other comics who I knew, like, yeah, you know, you, you're always aware of who's in the game. Yeah. But uh, like around you or, or around like even I'm friends with guys I'm friends with like Norton and, yeah. and all those guys. Yeah. I still feel guilty in my head and I, I almost feel like I cheated somehow. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure. Always, and they're always like, man, what, what are you selling out this? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, nah, because in my head, I'm, I'm intimidated by these guys still. But well, I can't imagine what uh, if you still are friends with Patrice, what that must be like. Oh, my God. Patrice is so funny to me. because <laughs> You know what a ball breaker is. And yeah. I love it when he breaks my balls. Yeah. I think it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I remember he came to me one time, maybe about five years ago. Goes, yeah. Hey, so, Russell, now, this is no disrespect, but <laughs> you ain't that fucking funny that you should be this big. <laughs> I mean, you're all right, but you ain't that fucking funny. <laughs> How did you respond to that? I started laughing. <laughs> and what are we going to do? I mean, I, you know what? You know, the thing is... I, I, I agree with you, Patrice. That's the worst part. <laughs> Do you judge yourself against other comics? Um, I don't I, judge myself against other comics, yeah. but I watch other comics, and you know, you see guys doing shit, and you go, "Fuck, I wish I thought of that." Right, but 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 aren't you in a position now? Like, if you could, I mean, you play theater, so the pace is different, and you know, I'd like to correct you. I play arenas, but go on. Okay, arenas. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But you play arenas, which means that you have to pace yourself in a certain way. Mm -hmm. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to leave anything open-ended. You're not going to fucking wing it. You're not going to, I mean, you know your show. I mean, I think an arena show, like an hour in arena is like, what, 40 minutes in a club? Yeah, I I do do an hour and a half usually. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I think it's about, it's about equal. I mean, I, I try, my deal is when I go on stage, I try to make, a 16, 17,000 seat arena feel like you're in a club. You can sell 16,000 seats? Yeah. Consistently? Yeah. Like in, in the States, where can you sell 16,000 seats? Uh, in the States, I do around 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. And you pack it out. Yeah. It's all right. It's pretty good. Yeah. And they're still finding out about you because of that one special. That and one special. And then they're finding other things on the net. And, you know, it's it's so funny to me how it just keeps... You know, and, and, and when, like, people go, yeah, uh, like, I'm, I'll give you an example. I met Slash the other day, and uh, I walked up to him. I go, hey, Slash, uh, my name's Russell Peters. I'm a comedian. And he goes, yeah, man, I know who you are. Yeah. And I was like, I got goosebumps. <laughs> he goes, yeah, we were just watching you on tour in our tour bus in, in Europe. And I go, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I, I didn't know what to say. I go, well, I got, I got my new DVD. Do you want a copy of it? <laughs> I was panicking. <laughs> 
So how many hours do you have on DVD? Let's see. I put out three, and they're about... Uh, so that's about five hours done. Yeah. Um, and then there was the special from 03. That's another hour. That's six. And then I did an, an hour and 97. Seven. And then a half hour in 05. I mean, 95. So you're in your, like, your eighth hour. Yeah. And you try to do what? One DVD a year? Uh, one every two years. And they sell like 100,000 copies? Usually. Now, now we're in a different... Uh, yeah, uh, things different, are... yeah, it's very different. Nobody wants a hard copy of anything anymore. Right. So the new DVD is not doing anywhere near as well as I was hoping. Or, or oh, really? Because people aren't. If, do you? I don't even know where to buy a DVD anymore. Yeah, I don't know where to buy anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just released a CD. I have some of them. I think I'll just hold on to them. <laughs> I'll bring them with me on the road. Yeah, you got to upload people. them, and that's it. people got to buy the download. It's so weird. <laughs> and you can still figure out how to make money on that, though. But people can rip it off, right? That's the other thing. Like, yeah. yeah. And I get mad when people are like, hey, man, I know I just, just downloaded your green card tour. I'm like, motherfucker, don't tell me that. I want to slap you. I put all my money into that shit. That's right. Yeah. And they think they, they, they think they're being cute or they or think they Or they think they're they doing it. me a favor. They're like, right. yeah, hey, man, it was I got great. it for free. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, really, thank you for the for letting me steal that from you. All right, so let's go back to the time where you realized this thing was going to break. How did you know? I mean, it must have been sort of thrilling. If you're just doing the yuck-yuck chains and sleeping on Patrice's uh, and Keith <clears throat> Robinson's couch, I mean, what was the day where you knew that everything fucking changed? Um, I think it would have been... Uh, I, I, say, I say my awakening happened in around June of 05 when I came to L.A. <clears throat> and um, I was playing Royce Hall at UCLA. Yeah. And I, I sold A out... A college gig? Or no, was no, it? it was just... It was me. Right, but what, how'd you book it through? I mean... Uh, I don't remember how How many got seats booked. was that? Whatever, Royce Hall is 2,000. Is it? Okay. And it sold out, like, quick, so we had two shows. Yeah. And then we added two shows to the Laugh Factory. Um, just as for the a, hell of it? As a bonus yeah. kind of thing. And, yeah. And it all sold out like, like, like that. Yeah. And that's when I was like... All right. And well, who was the audience then mostly? It was mostly Asians and Indians. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you knew that market was there for you. Yeah, but I didn't realize that they had that. I didn't realize they were that there, there was that many of them out here. Right. And most of these were like second or third generation Asians, I imagine. No, first, like, you know, their parents came over. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So they must just be, I'm just trying to figure out, they must, I, I think there is something about adapting to being in an English-speaking country or being adapting to being, uh, you know, getting, you know, being a, a unique minority or, or ethnicity in this country that the struggle must be the same. They must identify with it. You got to figure it's probably, yeah, equal to um, the comics of, you know, the early 1900s. Right, right. Like Who the have, Jews and the... And the, and and the Italians and the right, Irish. right. I mean, it's 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 that I'm that guy to them. Have you been to India? I have been to India. Do you go often, or you don't? I'm actually go? going again next month. Um, How often do you go? Uh, once every few years. You'd have family there, or no? I have some family there still. Yeah. Now, what is what is that like? Because I have this. I always I want to go to India, but I'm afraid of it. I've talked about it before. Um. Well, I, I personally, I love it over there. Yeah. I. I there's. Well, some, you would, right? There's something about it I like. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's the factory where they make Indians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the Indians are made there, and they're making yeah, them a lot. Yeah, yeah, never, never mind the knockoffs you get over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, you'd love it, I think. No, I, I'm, I, I really, my entry point is really just food, and I, I've always been sort of fascinated with the culture. Are you a vegetarian? Really? No, but I, I love. Well, what the are you food. doing after this? Because my mom cooked, and she's at my house right now. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my god! So if you want to, um, you you would love it. Really? Yes. I, I might take you up on that. I think you should. Let me think about it. Yeah. Can I bring my girl? Absolutely. Wow. How yeah. many people are over there? 
uh, just my wife, my daughter, my mom, my and uh, and her brother who's here from Calcutta visiting. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> See, like I'm fascinated with the whole culture. Like I have Ganeshas all over the place. Oh well, then you're gonna love this because you're gonna find out how un-Indian my family is. <laughs> <laughs> Except like my uncle does very Indian things, like shakes his head sideways. But is that an Indian thing? It's very Indian thing. Because he, 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 he doesn't even know he's doing it, but I laugh because I noticed it, right? We were at I, I took him to IHOP the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And the lady's like, you want, uh, sir, do you want white or wheat toast? White. White is good. <laughs> and he's just shaking his head sideways. And, See, and she's like, not white? And he's like, yes, white. And I'm like, that's hilarious. You're like, can you turn down the Indian a little bit? <laughs> yeah. But So you believe that. See, like, I don't. You know, talking about these racial things, because in order to do the jokes you do, which I imagine that some people accuse you of being racist. Those are people that don't understand. And now those are also people that don't know how to use English properly. And a lot of people try and say, are trying to say racial jokes and they say racist jokes. Right. Because people are getting fucking dumber and dumber, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so I, I read that and like, hey, I love your racist jokes. And you're not sure, because when you read it, is that a dig? Or right. do you just not how to know how to spell fucking racial? Well, I think that what they, they like, the, I think the only issue that people have is that when you generalize about a culture, that they think you're limiting uh, the perception of that culture and you're picking the, and you're stereotyping. Right. So some people would call that racism. Right. But it seems to me that, you know, even in your family that you're able to identify this particular head shake that may be cultural. Yes. That you've you've seen before. Yes. So that's of your experience and and it's funny because it's not of my experience, but if you're going to tell me that if you're going to say to a room full of Indian people that uh you know he's doing the Indian head shake and they're all going to identify yeah. that, who the fuck am I to say that's racist? Yeah. Well, the, generally, I mean it's it's like people want to police these things and Yeah, who are those people really? Uh I don't know who they are, but they deserve to be kicked in the nuts. Well, I think that what you're <clears> saying <throat> though cuz even in the bit that you do that I watched, you know, in in the bargaining between, you know, the the negotiation, a sales negotiation between a Chinese guy and an Indian guy, mm -hmm. that your perceptions about how those two cultures handle money and what they expect out of money it was funny. You, you know, but I I know that there'd be people that would be offended because you're going, "Well, you know, like you're making fun of well, that. You know, I'll tell you the funny thing about that is now you hear that but Chinese people hear oh that's a dead on Hong Kong accent <laughs> that immediately they go they don't even say that's a Chinese accent right they go Tessa awesome you sound so you've been to Hong Kong before yeah and, and to them there's nothing racist about it because if you get it dead on how They're, can you get mad at that? Right. You, you did your homework. Yeah. That's basically how they look at it. Did you know it was a Hong Kong accent? Yeah, I did because I, it's where I picked it up, actually. <laughs> do you do a range of Chinese accents? No, I just got the Hong Kong. <laughs> and people are like, hey, do, do mainland. I'm like, I, I don't know the difference. <laughs> you, you can't cop to that. Yeah. You're like, I'm working on it. Yeah. I yeah. Go, look, I, I know you guys speak two different languages. How about that? Is that enough? Have but what is have you been attacked for this shit before though? I no, mean, I'm not by not by the people who I'm talking about, but by white people. Yeah, by white people like, hey man, you shouldn't say that. I'm like, or people, I, I do it in meetings or whatever. I'll talk about, and, and and white people get so uncomfortable with it. I'm like, stop getting fucking uncomfortable with it. That makes me uncomfortable. Right. That means you got some hidden shit going on in your head well they they just don't know what's right or wrong you know they don't want to it's like that white man's guilt thing they they don't want to carry the burden of saying something inappropriate because they don't know when they're being appropriate you know you, what you know? You, you know how you find out what's not inappropriate or what is inappropriate talk to an old person yeah they always just say what they see yeah there's nothing there's no malice involved right they just say what the fuck they see okay my dad would say things like when my friends would come over my dad was born in 1925 yeah 
So he was pretty old. Yeah. You know? Uh, How so, many brothers and sisters you have? Just one, my, my older brother. And Clay. he's your guy? He's my manager as well, yeah. So uh, my friends would come over, and growing up, 95% of my friends were black. Yeah. Because they were the ones that wouldn't pick on me. Right. So uh, they'd come over, and my dad would be like, Russell, there's some Negro here at the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? And you would think, like, the black guy would be like, what the fuck did you say? Yeah, but yeah. even he'd be like... Uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do he's old you know there's no malice it's just it's really about intent it's That's, an imagine it's just the way it's a perception thing yeah i mean he didn't know the guy's name right yeah there was uh <laughs> or, be- or like some i got into a fight at school and and when i was a kid and he goes what was the boy's name and i go peter jankowski and he goes he's a Pollock. <laughs> my yeah. dad would actually break down everyone that's how i got to it because my dad would by their last names or whatever they were, they would break down what they were. But he did say Polak, not Polish guy. Yeah, he would say Polak. He, right. he used to log. He used to love all in the family. So, so he was Archie Bunker. He, he, he was the Archie he was Bunker. A, he was the brown Archie Bunker. It's interesting that when you you know that because I find that in in within minorities there's real racism too. I oh, mean, yeah. like blacks and Mexicans, it's insane. Yep. You know, in this neighborhood, what is it with Indians? Um, Indians, the, Indians are very weird with that because. Uh, as a whole, they'll come together. Yeah. But then you put them together, and then they will separate. Class system stuff? It'll be whatever. language. It's oh. more, more than anything, it's language. Which is like the- which Whatever the, part of India you're from. You Punjab can, or Hindi? Is uh, that the two ones? Well, there's that. Well, there's so many. I yeah. mean, you can tell by last names in the Indian culture what's it, where somebody's from in India, uh-huh. what language they speak. Uh-huh. Like Patel. Yeah. You'll know that they speak Gujarati. Yeah. That's because that that's a- that last name is specific to that region. Did I just say something stupid? Is <clears throat> Hindi a separate language? Hindi is the national language. And Punjab? Punjabi is a language. Yeah. It's not anywhere near a national language. Right. It's in the north. and It's a dialect. Uh, it, it, it's not a dialect. It's a language, but it's- Oh, it's uh, a totally separate language? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they twist some words, but it's, it's, it's all, they're all basically variations of Hindi or, or based on Sanskrit stuff so you grew up with, mostly with black dudes yeah they, they were your friends yeah only because you were both ostracized by canadian white people yeah wow that's kind of wild yeah so, so were I, you at any one time were you encultured black very much yeah i mean i was i was break dancing in the early 80s were then, you then i was djing yeah and then uh i was boxing yeah and everything i ever did was like hip-hop and the whole thing yeah i was there like yeah. when it all started you know yeah. so for me it was like you know i, I still dj to this day because I still swear that you know the, some of the way that you do your comedy, it seems it seems black to me. And I used to do black rooms. You did when I would come to New York back in the day, and Keith and uh, Keith and Patrice would always make fun of me because I'm like, I, I'd be like Keith, I gotta go do a Capone's room in the Bronx yeah. at one thirty in the morning on a yeah. Saturday. Yeah, and he go and and um, Keith's Keith's exact words, you know, you know Keith. Yeah, sure. Keith's exact words were, "Nigga, I wouldn't rush into there. You're gonna get kicked in your fucking throat, you jackass." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Keith. <laughs> That's what he does. And and what happened? We get to the gig, and I got booed off. I mean, with, so you got booed off in black rooms? Uh, not all the time, but it happened. Yeah, they they let you know because the first thing is they look at you and they're like, I remember I remember hearing when I was on stage that night, uh, some guy going, oh, "Fuck you on on there, you pretty motherfucker." Oh yeah, it wasn't was even like, about color. <laughs> yeah, it was just like <laughs> you're not ugly enough. Yeah, to get I know color. about you big nose niggas. I know about y'all. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, well, apparently. What does that even mean? I don't know what that means, but apparently I have a big nose. <laughs> it's a certain type. <laughs> so they thought you were black, and then they realized you weren't? I don't know what they thought, but they just didn't like me. I think I spoke too clearly. 
Because I didn't want to be like, yo, what's up? I, I, Did I you didn't... ever do that? Uh, no, not, I couldn't do it. Not even could... as a kid, though? I mean, like. In... Yeah, I mean, I would do that with my, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was that period in life. Yeah. Where you're all confused. Yeah. And, and in Canada, it was uh, a lot of West Indians. So I would speak Jamaican a lot. <laughs> Because all my friends did. <laughs> what does that sound like? Well, that's the thing. I, even when I call my best friend Marlon back yeah. home, I'll I'll just go straight into Jamaican with him. Like, what does that sound like? I, I'll call him, like, yo, Stucky what, man? Walk on. <laughs> and he's like, none, man, <laughs> me there. And I'm like, yo, so yeah, listen here, may I reach back this side to this? So come reach me at the house, man. And, and he'd be like, all right, cool, yeah. <laughs> really? But then, but then, yeah, you know, on the side, we, we will be together and talking yeah, and be yeah. like, yeah, so what'd you do this week? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, really? Yeah, but like, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you see you, somebody. You share a, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, hey, I want you to know I'm still the same. Yeah, And yeah. then when you're hanging out, it's like, so you want to go eat or something? Yeah, let's go eat. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Want a salad? Yeah, sure. Let's have a salad or something. You know, whatever. Like, <laughs> but, but when you first engage, you yeah, get it's that the excitement thing. of becoming sure. who you were. That's amazing, man. It's amazing because it's really just a, it, it's, it's just a way of communicating that, oh, it, it it just trips me out because it, it, when I watch you, it seems that you're almost like a, a blank state, a, a blank slate of of ethnic potential. Yeah, that, it's weird that like you represent some sort of you know global rallying point of comedy, and it, you're the only one. I mean, I don't know who else does that. I'm the, the I'm the ambiguously looking racial guy. Well, but that's that's true, yeah. right? And it, it somehow gives you this free this license to talk about whoever the fuck you want. I mean, obviously we all can, but I just think it's fascinating that you don't come from the point of like you, you don't hear any of that like you know white people because you're not. Yeah, and, and you're also Canadian, and it's it's just it, I, I guess see I look at it as uh, uh, white saying white people is so broad. But, because, but here is a comic type. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the black angle was, you know, the separation was yeah, that, you know, yeah. that we are the other and that, you know, this is how we are perceived and this is how we see white people. I, I like when people say, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I don't care who you are. I love everybody, black, white, Asian. I'm like, that's it. That's yeah. <laughs> but see, that's the thing is that you don't have to say that you sort of embody it somehow. Yeah, it's, whether you love them or not, I guess it's my so, essence. Yeah, yeah, no one has taken your essence, <laughs> which is good. It is. It's just. It, it's. It's. Uh, it's an amazing thing. So tell me about performing for these different audiences. You do. You, change, you don't change your act. No, you change little things, maybe. You know. But do you have a chunk on like because I've I, I noticed that I've only seen uh, I haven't watched all seven hours of your um <laughs> of I've I've been taken know. in the entire I don't know Russell what your Peters problem is, buddy. I know I know I'm apparently I'm in the minority, uh, <laughs> but but do you have chunks on interactions with with the Egyptians or Arabs or yeah I do, you, do I actually have a whole thing on uh, being in Jordan and being punked by the King of Jordan. A couple of guys have King of Jordan stories. Were you with uh, Maz or those guys? Did no, it was me, me and uh, Gabriel Iglesias, though. Oh, really? Yeah, he didn't punk Gabriel. He punked me, though. He's got a sense of humor, this guy. His mother's American, right? Um, Queen Noor's uh, American. Is she? I, I didn't think know that. so, yeah. Possibly. Mm-hmm. But he's a really cool guy. I hear that. He would never know he was a king. How do you get punked by the King of Jordan? He, We were at it. We invited us to the uh, palace. Yeah. Uh, for dinner. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> you know we're all having a good time and he's cooking for us which was pretty cool i mean you got the king standing right in front of you there's no guards around you it's just me the king gabriel angelo sarukas you know angelo uh-uh. big fact i think you have the fred and Vinny movie on your yeah he's someone just sent it to me i know yeah, fred that's yeah, uh, yeah fred Vin, uh, angelo plays Vinny. Oh, okay i haven't Angelo's, watched it yet angelo's one of my best friends as well and uh um so we're all there my brother my sister-in-law we're all hanging out the queen's standing there uh, Queen Rania. Yeah. 
and it's just a, it's just a very chill vibe. And he's like, so how do you want your steak? And he's cutting up the steak and he's like, yeah, there's some snacks over there. And his brother's there. Yeah. The prince. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm talking to his brother. He goes, hey, how you doing? I'm Faisal. I go, like Prince Faisal? Yeah. He goes, hey, just call me Faisal. <laughs> I go, uh, what do I call your brother? He goes, oh, his majesty. And I go, you call your brother his majesty? Because no, I call him Ab, but uh, <laughs> it's up to him what he what you want what he wants you to call him. So yeah. I'm, he's like, "How do you want your steak?" I go, "I don't know, sir." He goes, "Oh, my friends call me Ab." I go, "That's cool, sir." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I don't know if we're friends, right? Yeah, right, right, right. I'm not going to assume these things. But you weren't going with his, Your Majesty. You were going. No, with sir. I, I was yeah. just going with Sir. Yeah, I'm not. I'm no. There's no Majesties in my world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing majestic in my world. Mm-hmm. So he goes, uh, "No, Ab, Ab. My friends call me Ab. Call me Ab." So I'm like, "All right, Ab." And anyway, he goes, have a drink, relax, right? So yeah. I get a little buzz going, and yeah. I'm more relaxed. And, yeah. And I'm saying dumb shit to the king now. Yeah. I'm like, you know, you have uh, you have really blue eyes. <laughs> and then Gabriel's like, what are you hitting on him? And yeah. I go, no, no, I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just saying, you know. And he's and he's laughing. He's a really he's got a great sense of humor. He goes, yeah. I go, no, you look you look younger in person than you do in your pictures because yeah. in, in a kingdom there's pictures of the king everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. I go, you look much younger in person. He goes. Oh yeah, those pictures are pretty terrible. They they were taken a long time ago. I go no, but I'm just saying you. I couldn't help but noticing you your your penetrating gaze. Yeah. I go. I don't mean you are penetrating gaze. Yeah. I mean yeah. you have. And you know, I'm backtracking. Yeah, and, yeah. Because I'm a little nervous with right. the guy. And, right. And anyway, we are we we end up having a great time. Yeah. He's 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 as cool as hell. And <clears throat> the queen decides to go to bed. So my brother, my sister in law, myself take that as a cue to be like, maybe we should leave. It's like two in the morning. Yeah. Okay, you know, we don't. If the queen's gone to bed, yeah, it's time. Maybe for the king just doesn't want to be rude and kick us out. He's a nice guy, I'm yeah. Sure. You know, so we go. You know what, uh, Ab? We're gonna break out. We've got to catch a flight in the morning. He goes, oh, you do? What? Uh, what time's your flight? I'm like, it's at ten thirty. He goes, what time are you heading to the airport? I go, probably gonna leave the hotel at about seven. He goes, seven? That's too early. Leave at nine. I go, I'm not gonna make my flight. He goes, I'll call the airport. Yeah. And I go, that's when you remember he's a king again, yeah, right? Yeah, You're yeah. like. Yes, of course you'll call the airport. We're yeah. flying on Royal Jordanian Airlines, and <laughs> he's you got are little... the royal part. <laughs> he's got a little pull. Yeah, yeah. So he goes, yeah, just leave at 9. You'll be fine. You'll get yeah. there maybe 9.30, 9.40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got lots of time. Yeah. I go, okay. So we uh, we leave the hotel at 9. We get to the airport at 9.30. We pull up at this VIP entrance that yeah. I didn't know about. Yeah. And there's guys that meet us right away. Yeah. They take our luggage. They take our passports. They send us up to this VIP room. And uh, we're all sitting there, all staring at each other like, this is fucking cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what kind of service is this? Yeah. <clears throat> so this guy walks in. We're all sitting there. They give us tea and snacks. And this, uh, this Arab guy walks in holding a passport in his hand. And he goes, Russell Peters. And I'm like, that's me. And he goes, come with me. And I'm just trying to be funny. So I go, yeah. nope. <laughs> and he goes, come with me. And I'm like, oh, shit, all right. Relax. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we start walking. And he goes, you have two cell phones. What are they? I go, what? I go, what? And I, he goes, give me it. So I give him one cell phone. He goes, where's the other one? I go, it's in my bag. And he's got an ad. So I get a little bit of an attitude now because, uh, you know, I boxed for nine years and I did a little jujitsu for a few years. So I kind of got that edge about me where it's like, all right, relax, buddy, because yeah. you're about to fucking get me into a space you don't want me to get me into. Yeah. And I don't need to fuck this up now because yeah. I don't know what the jails are like on here. <laughs> Yeah. So <clears throat> you didn't t- drop the king's name at all. No, I didn't want to. I, again, I didn't want to fuck up the king's name either. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? He was yeah. so nice when we, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so we start walking out of the room. He goes, "You speak Arabic?" I go, "No." With an attitude, I'm like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, "Huh." 
<laughs> yeah. So he walks. We walk down these stairs, and uh, and uh, we get to the bottom of the stairs, and there's two armed guys standing there, like military guys mm-hmm. with with guns, mm-hmm. automatic weapons mm-hmm. pointed right at me. Really? And, in, and immediately in my head, my ego kicks in and goes, "Oh my god, the king came by to say bye to me. <laughs> That's so cool." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the guys, as soon as we come down the stairs, the guys point the guns right at me, and I go, yeah. "Oh, it's me. It's okay." Yeah, yeah. And, and they're like. And I'm like, oh, damn. Still giving you the stink eye. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. So this guy leads me into like an interrogation room. Go sit down. We're at a table like this. So I'm sitting there. He's sitting here. <clears throat> he's like, where were you last night? And I go, what? What did you do last night? I go, I did a show. Uh-huh. And then I went out. I'm trying not to tell him where I went because I'm thinking maybe the king breached some sort of security thing. Oh, and, you think the king's in trouble? Well, you, you never can, know, right? Protecting I, the king. Yeah. That's, that's very nice of you. I, you know, I'm, I, I grew up with the blacks. You yeah. know, you don't just rat fucking people out, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I did a show. Yeah. Did some stuff. I'm going with a friend. You know, guy yeah. I know here. Yeah. Yeah. And then I look on the table like beside me yeah. to my to my uh, right. Yeah. And I see a, a, like a like a towel, like a blanket with a camcorder underneath it. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in an interrogation room. Yeah. But then immediately my Indian side kicks in and goes, that's an old fucking camcorder. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's immediately what I thought. I was like, can't you get better shit around here? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's like, uh, where are you? And I, t- I goes, I go, then where did you go? I went, uh, I went out. Yeah. Where? I went, to t- hung out at the palace. <laughs> I threw it in like a trump card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eyes open. Yeah, palace. Yeah. And he goes, which palace? Uh, I go, what do you mean which palace? <laughs> Hung out with the king. Which king? Don King. What the fuck do you mean which king? <laughs> yeah. And, and I look above him and there's a picture of the king sitting right there. Yeah. And I go, the king. That king guy. Abdullah. That king right there. <laughs> why, we, why, why, did you, why did you do that? What were you doing? I go, we're friends. How are you friends? You're friends with my king. Yeah. So I pull out my phone. I go, yeah. And I show him a picture of me and the king. Yeah. Huh. And he lights up a cigarette. He blows the smoke in my face. I'm yeah. Like, what a dick. <laughs> yeah. Then I hear a commotion in the hallway outside. Yeah. And then I I, I hear like scuffling and then yeah. I hear, don't fucking point the gun at me, fool. And then it, it's Gabriel. <laughs> Iglesias walks in the room and he's on the phone. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I go, Gabe, what the fuck is going on, dude? And he goes, uh-huh, hold on, hold on. He passes me the phone. I go, hello? And all I hear is, Never be the first to leave one of my parties again. <laughs> you yeah. just got punked, biatch. <laughs> and I go, fucking hell, dude. <laughs> and then the guy behind the counter, the guy who was interrogating me. Scary guy. He, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was told to do that. I'm sorry. He's all practically on his knees bowing to me. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, that's fucking I'm like, beautiful. fucking horrible. Have you talked to him since? I'm going to turn the arm for a minute. Have you talked to him since? The king? No. Yeah. Where's the um? Like, but here's the worst part. Yeah, I, I I go, Gabe. You knew about this? He goes, Yeah, that was the least fucked up one he wanted to do. I go, What do you mean? He goes, He wanted to put a bag of white powder in your suitcase and a handgun. Oh shit, <laughs> that would have been great. No, that's not funny. He goes, yeah. Well, I know that. I talked him out of that one. <laughs> they were all in on it. Yeah. So when you travel, I mean, like where? Like I have to assume that. I mean, you seem pretty. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I have to assume that has some kind of emotional effect on you that you're bringing this many people together. Do you, is there moments where you're kind of like at least overwhelmed with uh, you know some sort of emotion? I mean, obviously you're grateful and you're doing well and you got a Rolls Royce, 
but do you do you feel that you are playing some important global uh, role as well, a comedian? No, I, I feel a responsibility now to not make broad general strokes when I talk about people. Is that true? Yeah. They, what, now, what? How did that evolve? That that evolved because people looked at me with respect and and kind of like we trust your word now. So don't, don't fuck this up. Well, what 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 did you have to recheck? I mean, like, did you were there parts of your act that you had to rethink? You know, there's always the quick joke you think of, or right. It'd be like you know, um, the rock throwers or whatever. You just something dumb, or like or something, what, in reference to Palestinians or whatever. Or whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then you know, and then you have to. I have to check myself, and I go, look, if I make fun of the Palestinians and call them that, then they're going to think I'm on the side of Israel, and then the entire region's going to turn against me. And then I again at the same time I want to be respectful of these people because I don't want them to think I'm not on anyone's side. I'm huh. just here to tell you what I see. So that's interesting. So you literally you've got sort of uh, an inner United Nations, yeah, that you have to honor in, in order to to make sure that your observations uh, have integrity, integrity and an accuracy. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever been? Have you ever done a joke and realized like you know fuck, you know that was a mistake um if i have i've never done it in a recording right so if i have you know i'm sure you make mistakes when you're on stage I but mean, there's things, nothing that stands out in your there's head nothing that stands out you know you know there's things i think of sometimes on stage and you go fuck i want to say that but i won't right you know right but like there there are certain like you know cultural identifiers that if you're just riffing and someone says they're from so in place you know you can throw in a couple of the you know kind of standbys that, you know oh that, yeah absolutely yeah but the, when, yeah the, you know the you got the you got your your own stock stock room in your head right that you can shoot something out while you think of something else your brain's juggling at that point you know has there ever been a sense where you're doing these shows and you felt like you've helped do you feel like you help? I, I well, if there's Jews and Muslims sitting near each other, I always make them hug. Do you really? I really do. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Have you done Israel? No, I have not. Why? Um, I just have not done it yet. It's I, not. Is it on the? Uh, is it on? It, the- it is on. It is on a list of things I want to do, because I actually found out that I do have quite a following in Israel. Right. Now, what, what, there's not been any apprehension on your part about it. Not really. How come you haven't gotten there yet? Um, what other places? Uh, that I want to go to? Yeah. Um, I'm supposed to go to Ghana next year. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, West Africa. Have you done West Africa before? No, I've only done South Africa. Yeah. And uh, so I want to go to do Ghana. I want to do uh, Kenya, Tanzania. When you go to some place like South Africa, are you able to draw attention to the, the tension there? Well, the funny thing in South Africa... South Africa was actually the first place... In the entire world where I was famous, quote-unquote. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was around 2002? Yeah. Well, they got a big <clears throat> the entertainment complex there. I mean, They do. Yeah. Well, not even that. It's just they have... Um, it, that country was ripe for me for the racial material. Right. I mean, a country that had fucking uh, racial... Yeah, yeah, apartheid and racial inequality for till the, until the mid-90s. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And it wasn't just a black and white thing over there. It was black, white. It was anybody who was not white. Right. And Indians were on that list. Right. So that's uh, so. then there is a certain element of you, uh, it, because at this particular m- moment in history, because of globalization, that there is a sort of you know, almost international relief of, of racial tension that everybody can understand because it is a, it, we're dealing with a global landscape now. Yes. 
It's fucking fascinating to me. Have you have you ever offended a dominating power? Like, you know, in like in South Africa, were you ever... Did, I was never you... leery of offending the white people there. Yeah. In fact, it was almost my goal. Yeah. It and was... did you succeed? Um, I don't know if I did or not, but my mission at the time was because they had been so systematically broken down mentally, all the non-white people, that they, even though apartheid had been lifted, they still weren't mentally ready to challenge white people on any level. Right. They were still yes, sir, no, sir. So you did a bit of that. And I would fuck with the white people all the time. And how'd they take it? Um, they had to take it. But, I mean, did you find that they laughed or they, did it make them uncomfortable? Did you find that they were it, aggravated? It was, a, it was a joyful cheer out of the non-whites in the room. Right. It was kind of a thank you. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. felt, it felt really nice. It's like playing at a prison and the wardens are just standing yeah. there and can't yeah, and really like, respond. Fuck you, warden. Yeah. You don't got us no more. Yeah. And when you do like, well, which I have done, I performed at Rikers. Did you? Yeah. Well, they're pretty appreciative. They really are. I mean, it I, was bizarre. I played at a woman's prison years ago. They're just thrilled that you came. Yeah. And they're usually it's a little weird in there though. No. Yeah. I it's, mean, when it's you go awkward. through. Yeah, because it's like its own culture, and it's not. It's it's and definitely a scary one. Yeah, and you got COs on either side of you with shotguns. Did uh, how'd they respond to you? It was great. I mean, you know, the. You know, at first I was trying to just do material. Yeah, and then you just started. And then riffing. I started riffing on like the big guy. Yeah, and uh, and, and then you know, then the the more you start picking on them, the more they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know that when you leave, that they're never going to forget it. Yeah, you know, whatever yeah. you said to that yeah. big. You know, guy. you know, somebody's getting shanked over what I said because they mocked the same guy, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> mistaking <you> did. <laughs> it that uh, they could get away with it. <laughs> well, that's sort of interesting because then you're giving, you're sort of empowering, you know, these these. Groups of people that have been looked at as minorities in different countries. Yeah. But when you go to India and perform, what, how does that play India, out? India is amazing for me. India, the Indians in India, well, obviously that's redundant, but um, they they love me. The ones that understand me. Yeah. The English speaking ones and the, the ones that are with it. What, why do you think, uh, what do you think it is about what you're doing? Do you think that they aspire to, to, you know, either getting out of India or, or living a life like yours? Or do you just think that it's a voice they have not heard before from an Indian? I think it's a, uh, a, it's a voice they've not heard from an Indian and, uh, B I'm almost like the uh, picture of what they would expect us to be like, how, you know, with the attitude or whatever, it's yeah. kind of like a, yeah, that's, that's our guy. You know and that I mean? you can play, you can riff on, you know, the different types of Indians and how Indians are perceived and, and that you are clearly not that. Yeah. You know, well, not, not out of intention, but you just aren't. The funny thing in, in India is that the Indians over there are so much smarter than the Indians that are, not, that, that are over here. Oh, okay. Like they get everything. Uh-huh. Again, it's part of being an outsider. Right. When you're an outsider, you see things far more clearly than the people stuck on the inside. Because they've got that blind spot. Yeah. They're the ones putting you outside. Yeah. So now you're outside so you can get Just in. Just look in. Like it's, it's like, yeah, it's like take a step back and, you know. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. <clears throat> so they're watching us. Yeah. And we're, you know, the, it's this weird kind of, uh, the Indians that are, they're called NRIs, non-resident Indians. All the Indians around the world that are not in India uh -huh. are NRIs, non-resident uh -huh. Indians. And uh, they all desperately try to cling on to they they try they they go in overtime to be more Indian. Okay. They 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 overdo it. The ones outside of India. <clears throat> yeah. 
And the ones in India don't have anything to prove. How much more fucking Indian do you need to be? They're born and raised and live there. Well, why why do you think that they, they overdo it in order to identify the community? Is it a community thing to, to keep separate, to make sure that there's still like a, a strong sense of Indian? Yeah, to, to try and hang on to their culture, afraid right. of losing it or, right. or whatever the case may be. But the Indians in India even recognize it as it's corny to them. Really? And, and you got to figure, like the Indians that are doing this, they're they're basing it off what their parents have told them. Their parents maybe left 40, 50 years ago. Right. So you're basing it off of an idea. That's like your parents left America in the 60s, and they're living wherever else they're living now, and they're telling you about America, but they're telling you their picture of it in the 60s. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's kind of like you're going to, you grow up, and you're like, so you live in this other country now, and you're, hey, peace and love, man. Right. And you're like, what is that? So I mean, the, on some level, they're still reacting to the British or something like the people that are have been out of India for fifty years. Yeah, they still have like this weird kind of. Uh, it's an inferiority complex. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and the Indians in India don't have that, right? Because they're they're there. Who are they inferior to? Yeah, each other. And what what is it like there? I mean, is it like when? What's your experience of it? Because I know that there's more people you know per capita than anywhere, yep. and that the poverty is horrendous. It is, and and but. How do you move through that culture? I mean, you're probably treated very well, but yeah, I mean, is, there, is but, there still a sense of like, oh my God, this place is a fucking mess? It, it's, it, I call it a beautiful mess over yeah. there because the poor people in India, it's unlike any other poor place in the world, it's not dangerous to be in a poor neighborhood. You can go into the poorest of poor neighborhoods in India, into the most ghetto fucking you know, tin house box, what they yeah. didn't, that would be a luxury. Yeah. Like my family's from Calcutta. So, I mean, I see some real shit over there. Yeah. I literally saw a pile of garbage and people sleeping on it. Yeah. And I saw rats picking at the garbage and we're talking rats that are about, you know, a foot and a half, two feet long. Yeah. Um, but you could walk into any of those situations and no one's going to be like, Oh, get away from me. Oh, what do you want? You know, there, there yeah. is this inner peace that they all have that, that it, they don't want your shit. Is that really true? It's very true. What yeah. does that come from? It comes from they know that no matter how fucked up their situation is, they know that there's somebody in a worse situation right beside them. Huh. So it's kind of like, well, this is my place, but that guy's place sucks worse than mine. Uh-huh. You know? So I, I, I even talk about it in my act. I go, you can walk through with a nice watch. They're not going to try and take your watch. They're hungry. Yeah. They don't want to know how fucking long they've been hungry for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you're and you're pretty. They they love you there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a very they're very loving people, right? Yeah, and see, that's fan, what I, so that's not that's a real thing. That's a real thing. You're saying there's not any asshole Indians or oh, there's uh, asshole Indians. And Do you know who they are? Element? Who you know who the asshole Indians are generally the rich ones, right? They're real dickheads. Yeah, they're rude. They're obnoxious. They don't know how to talk to people. They talk at you. They order you around. I see them do it, and I, I see. And when they do it around me, I get mad as shit. I'm like, don't fucking talk to that guy that way. Yeah. So he's the he's the he's the coolie or he's the servant. He's supposed to yeah, right. But, but he's a fucking human. Talk right. to him like one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I get so mad. I'm like, because eh, I'm always nice to them. I'm like, hey man. Do you talk hey, about that you? on stage? Uh, the difference in India, them. I do it. You do, yeah, because I want I, it, it rings true for them. Yeah, so the the poor and then they'll always come to me after. No, you know, I always talk very respectfully to my uh, yeah, servants. My yeah, boy, come here. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then stop calling him fucking boy first of all. How about that? <laughs> so now, what is the most challenging situation you've had to deal with? I mean, in traveling, given that you have played in all these different audiences, or dangerous, or anything like that. Um. I think more more so the fear of losing your luggage, to be honest Is with you. Is that it? That's the big thing you're and, up against. Jet lag and the fear of losing your luggage. Those are the big ones. That's it. And, and getting sick. Yeah. 
And and I don't, I don't mean stomach sick. I mean just getting a cold or something. I don't want to get sick on the road. Yeah. So those are the big fears. That's it. That's you it. feel re- pretty well protected otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's it's one of those things. You know, if you get into trouble here, you're gonna get into trouble there. Right. I mean, if you if you don't look for shit, you're not gonna find shit. Right. And uh, in terms of feedback, in terms of uh, cultural feedback, uh, I mean, you talk about responsibility now, but um, you must have there must be some gratitude that comes back at you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing for me is now I get people complaining to me that I haven't made fun of them yet. Oh, really? You haven't talked about us yet. Like who? Why haven't you talked about the Latvians? Like, oh, you know what? Fuck, had I known. Had I known you were here tonight, yeah. I have 30 minutes on it. So you're that guy. You know, they want... Yeah. You're literally the... You're like the integrator. You're the, yeah. you're the guy that's... Like, it. Come on. Like, I'm on we're stage all... sometimes. They'll be like, hey, talk about, you know, Persians. Yeah. 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 You must hey, have what some. about Russians? I'm like, what about them? I'm scared of them. That's it. <laughs> But that's it's so funny to me because I completely get that sense that, you know, there are all these, you know, quote unquote ethnicities that are now everyone's functioning in this global economy in this level playing field. And they want to be represented as unique yeah. because they come from a unique background that yeah. has, you know, stereotypical behavior. And they want to be represented as a caricature in order to not only, you know, pass in the country they're in, but also to sort of, uh, you know, sustain some of their and keep some of their weird quirkiness. Because they of what they, they want from. somebody else to recognize that they're different. Right. Isn't that weird? It's almost like yeah, we know we are, but they don't. And then when they hear somebody else talk about them, they're like, oh, they do. They do. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. We're not lost yet. Yeah. yeah we're like, we yeah. have a thing that yeah. they can identify as stereotypical. Yeah. And how are things going for you stateside in the big show business? <clears throat> things are going great. I mean, <clears throat> people are always like, you know, for... The level of international stardom you have, I'm surprised none of these networks have picked you up. And and I'm not. Because well, was, because in my head, it's kind of like, look, if this internet thing had never happened, I'd, it, nobody would know who the fuck I was. Yeah. And and I get that. But you know what's weird about you is that you aren't, you know, as yourself, um, enough of a caricature for them to identify as yeah. like uh, like he's a goofy Indian guy because you d- you're capable of capturing those things through voices and through personifying them, but you as yourself, I mean, you're you're almost you know outside of of the color of your skin, raceless in a way. Yeah, it's weird, huh? It is a little weird. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, well, I know what you're not, saying. It's, hey, it's kind of like a blank slate. They're like, well. Right. Well, you know, we get that he can do all these different characters, but like if he's not going to talk like what are we yeah. going to do with him? Yeah. Do you come up against that? Where I you come go- up with that all the time. And uh, How do you respond when they say, like, do the, the Indian voice? Well, they don't generally do that uh, now anymore. Yeah. I think, thank God, they're changing their point of view on that. Yeah. But it's still always funny to me when I get, like, a development deal and they're like, uh, oh, man, we're such huge fans over here. I'm like, no, you're not, dude. Yeah. Don't fucking lie to me. And I, I'm a, I've been a comic for 22 years. I'm not fucking stupid. Yeah. I can see through your bullshit. Yeah. I, I'm up there bullshitting people all night. Yeah. I think I can't th- see through you, you <laughs> fucking loser. You suit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, don't try and bullshit a bullshitter. Uh-huh. Now, how now, how many of your friendships have you been able to maintain, you know, outside, your brother, obviously, is a business manager and you have comic friends, but like from where you grew up, like say this- All, you, all my friends back home are all my friends. They are. They're all- and. And it's so funny because, the, the, you know, because they'll see all the hype, especially in Canada. They'll see everything on TV, yeah, like yeah. Entertainment Tonight or whatever. Yeah. In Canada, they they make a big deal of me, which I, I appreciate and I love it. But my friends will see all that, and then I'll come back, and for, for that split second that they see it, they'll get caught up in that hype. Yeah. Then I'll come back and hang out with them. They're like, oh, never mind. He's the same. Yeah. 
Like just, my friend had a cigar sitting out on the table, you know, and just such a fuck, you know, and we're yeah, comics, we're yeah, retards. Yeah. I, I goes, I, he goes, hey, see the cigar? I got to go, that's nice. I go, we did goofy fucking yeah, sure. comic things. It yeah. was like, uh, okay, and, you're still the same. And, still and, the same guy. Yeah. And how, did, how has your family re- reacted to your insane success? Have you, I mean, your mom's here now. My mom's here. No, she lives in Canada still, but she's right, just visiting busy. right now because her brother came from India. Is your pop, pop still alive? No, nah, he passed away like seven years ago. Uh-huh. He passed away right before it all blew up, uh-huh. which was kind of cool because I I always say that he was like my guardian angel. Yeah. Because it, it really was like a week or two after he died, that shit just went through the roof. So were you, were you sad that he wasn't able to see it though? I, I, at first, I was sad that he wasn't able to see it, but then I started thinking about... I think he's like the puppet master in all of this, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Because in the beginning of my career, he always told me, you're never going to make it. He was like, you're never going to make it. There's nobody that looks like you in this business. It's either blacks or Jews, and that's it. They don't want to see you. There's a reason we're not in it, because they don't want to hear from us. And I'm like, yeah, but Dad, that's why I'm going to make it. I go, that's exactly the reason, because there's nobody like me. So you had that in you? you I, had had- that, I was always the kind of guy, you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to prove to you I can and now was your relationship with him always that way? Yeah, I mean my dad and I we were very close. Yeah. And my dad was a my dad used to box in India. Yeah. So when I started boxing him and I got even closer. Uh-huh. And then uh, we would always watch fights together and stuff and he was even at 78 before he died, he was still slick with the hands. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was good. So so the, there is an honest part of you that thinks that he's over seeing this whole thing. Yeah, I mean I'm not a religious person on any level. I yeah. don't believe in any of it. Yeah. I think it's all fucking horse shit. Yeah. But I, I am a spiritual person, and I believe that my father is is my god, so to speak. You know. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good place to put him. It's better yeah. than uh, not liking the guy. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks for talking, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. You bet. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Uh, Russell Peters, the biggest star in the world, the biggest comedy star in the world. You may not know. Uh, thank you for listening. Go to WTFPod.com for all of your uh, WTF Pod needs. Kick in a few shekels. Get yourself an app. Buy some merch for gifts. Look at the episode guide. There's an episode guide. Look at that if you want to know who's been on the show and what you can hear and how you can hear it. JustCoffee.coop, of course. I have some right here. Pow! Wow! I just shit my pants and it's good it's at the end of the show. I'm going to try to move that to the end of the show now. I can't believe that fucking cat just came in and came out and did not say anything. We had one great ending with Boomer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>